You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at Meeting Place Magazine and Alt Meat Magazine. Welcome to episode 82 of Meeting Pod where we'll discuss economic and other issues that smaller meat processors are likely to face as their numbers continue to increase. Our guest today is Dustin Pindell, a professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics at Kansas State University, who is part of a team that plans to host town hall-type information sessions to discuss the needs of up-and-coming smaller meat processing companies. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Dustin, and thank you for taking the time to participate on our podcast today. Thank you, Chris. So before you joined K-State in July of 2015, you were at Colorado State conducting research on livestock and animal health issues and even taught courses in farm management, agricultural marketing, and production economics to both undergrads and graduate students. Did those experiences influence your current plans to help guide smaller processors to establish or grow their operations? Absolutely. So when I was at Colorado State, as you noted, I actually spent a lot of time working with folks in the animal science, meat science department, where we spent a lot of time in visiting packing plants, visiting with small to very large producers, operations. And so a lot of my time at Colorado State actually directly would contribute to uh, this research project here at Kansas State University. Terrific. Now, traditional commercial meat processing relies on a number of parts working together from slaughter to finished product on a pretty grand scale. With the shift in trends and an increasing number of smaller and custom operations opening up across the country, what are some of the potential pitfalls these entities might face? That's a really good question. So thinking about as we're seeing these new operations open, I'd say with any new business, not necessarily in the meat or livestock sectors, but with any new business, you know, one of the pitfalls, you've got to do your homework. You have to do the research. You need to go talk with people in the industry, you know, other maybe meat processors, operators. Maybe you need to visit with the ranchers, the farmers who are supplying the product. Your customers, you've got to work with your customers. You've got to know who your customers are, what their needs, what their demands are. You've got to go visit with your local, your state, maybe even your federal regulatory agencies is here opening up a meat processing. So there's going to be a lot of issues related to from a legal standpoint as well. And so you got to do your homework. You got to do your research. From there, you need to probably create a business plan and maybe a feasibility analysis. You absolutely need a plan. You know, who's going to buy that product? Who's going to supply your inputs anywhere from your live animals or your carcasses, your equipment for your, your operation, et cetera. Are you going to build a plan? Are you maybe going to remodel an existing one? Are you going to retrofit some existing structure? And so that's something one needs to think about. Of course, financing. Financing is huge. Right now, there's a number of, you know, it looks like grant programs or subsidies or maybe low interest loans from the federal, maybe state or even local governments at the moment. And so financing has to become a component of it. I mentioned regulatory agencies or regulations. So what type of permit do you need? Uh, what kind of plant are you going to build? Your regulations revolve around processing. And so those are all things you need to think about. And then another one that's pretty big right now, not just in the livestock and meat sectors, 
but across the entire economy, and that is labor. You know, it's real hard to find labor right now in the United States for any industry. And so you need to start thinking about what's my labor source. And then think about that even from a, a slaughter or meat processing, there's going to be some differences and some skills that might be needed in this particular industry. And so when I think about what are some pitfalls, I mean, those are some of the things that one needs to think about before jumping into a new business such as this. Okay. Can you identify for our audience some of the advantages of establishing smaller meat processing operations, especially in areas where some processing needs are not being met for whatever reason, location, lack of clientele, lack of labor, etc.? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. And so some of the advantages would be both from a maybe a producer or you know, rancher farmer perspective, and then also consumer. Uh, you think about first from a producer perspective, you know, you raise a livestock. If they want to direct market, they're going to assume some of those middleman activities. So think of marketing, for example. So that might allow them to capture some of those additional revenues. So that could be an advantage from a producer standpoint. From a consumer standpoint, you know, there are growing consumer needs or wants, if you will, that want to buy local. They want to buy a locally processed, produced and processed meat product. And so they want to support their local ranchers, farmers. And so that from a consumer standpoint, they, their needs get met by buying a local product. Some other advantages, you know, there's going to be less competition potentially. I mean, because if you're looking at starting up a new operation because of location, maybe because there's no current product or operation product that's being developed in your location. I mean, so by definition, there'd be a less competition. And so that could be an advantage as well. Some other advantages of smaller meat processing operations, you're probably creating local economic impacts. When we think about that, we think of there's additional labor income that's going to your laborers, your workers. There could be returns, maybe profitability to your business owners. Of course, business owners are probably paying taxes, local taxes. Uh, and there's going to be other indirect and induced activities, economic activities, such as you know, banking services, utilities, et cetera. So those, I think, are a few of the, maybe some of the advantages that these smaller meat processing operations, uh, when they open up. Now, you raised a good point a few minutes ago when you noted that federal and state and local offices are offering these grants to startups as well as smaller meat processors that want to expand their operations. Can you sort of give me a context as to what positives can come out of this in the long run? So, yeah, I noted and I've read and you've probably read and others have seen all the, you know, post, I guess you would say COVID, right? There's been a lot of federal, maybe even state, local resources to look at this capacity issue. And so some positives that could spill out of this could be things like I mentioned just a little bit ago, thinking about the local economic impact, right? So if you open up a new business that needs to hire workers, those workers will draw income, those businesses pay taxes, those workers will take their money that they earn and they'll invest that in the community through, you know, purchasing of different products. And so I think those direct, indirect, and induced economic activities that I talked about, I think those would be a positive as a result of 
if some of these subsidies or low interest loans result in new processing facilities opening up. Now, you and uh, your K-State colleagues are setting up these town halls to provide some guidance to prospective small processors on how to set up new operations of their own. How will you measure the success of this upcoming program, and do you have a timetable for these sessions so far? Yes, that's another excellent point. And so my colleagues, Dr. Jesse Vipham, who's over in Harvard Animal Sciences, and Dr. Rachel Moy, over in the College of Business, along with Kansas Department of Agriculture, Kansas Small Business Development Center, and the Kansas Meat Process Association, all of us are coming together to collectively work on this issue. And the goal of this project, which is going to lead to these town halls, the goal is to gain a better understanding of the needs and the business environment constraints regarding business expansion, potential new business startups, and the adoption of some food safety practices. And so, as you noted, we're going to hold several town hall meetings across Kansas, and we're going to try to hit all corners of the state, whether that's Northwest Kansas to Southwest, South Central, you know, Southeast, Northeast. And we're going to start these town hall meetings coming up probably at the end of the month. And we'll probably go through, my guess would be probably early November. And the goal of these town hall meetings is to begin to frame our minds to what the needs are and what these challenges are of these businesses that are either currently in operation that have been exist for a while, or there's been a number of new operations that have opened since 2020. And so you think of these relatively new operations, but we've also started receiving a lot of emails and calls from people who want to build these new processing plants. And so again, we're truly targeting those three sets, groups of people to attend these meetings. And so you ask, how are we going to measure this success? Well, some of our outcomes include We hope to get up-to-date qualitative and quantitative data representing these opportunities and constraints to these new processors. We're hoping to look at enhancing food safety practices and attitudes towards food safety for the the newly opened meat processors. We're going to actually work with Kansas State University's Center for Advancement of Entrepreneurship over the College of Business. And so we're going to work with up to 20 K-State students that are going to do an internship or think of them as a consultant who are going to be working with some of these small and very small meat processing companies to develop business plans to help them further maybe take advantage of some of these opportunities if they want to expand their businesses. We're also hoping to expand their business basis so they get additional revenues. And so those are some of the things that we're hoping are some of our anticipated outcomes. And then so the question is, how are we going to measure that? Well, through our town halls, we're going to develop some surveys and we're going to develop outreach programs as a result of that, including some of these K-State students working with some of these operations, these meat processing plants. We're also helping develop better network activities throughout the state. And so we're going to continue assessing all of this, you know, not only in the next month as we're starting to hold our town hall, but we'll continue working with these over the next six months, 12 months in the future. And the reason we will is because we're working with the state of Kansas in the regulatory agency. We're going to work with the Kansas Meat Processors Association. And so again, you know, these two operations will be working with 
the Meat Processors Association. So we'll be in contact with them as well, in addition to the Kansas Small Business Development Center. So really trying to develop more of a long-term relationship with these companies. And the idea is this is a 12-month project. We're using this as kind of our you know, initial phase, whereas once we wrap up in the next 12 months, this part of it, we really then hopefully we'll move on to phase two, where we'll continue to do what we're doing, but additionally provide support, look at some of the economic impacts that we help set up in the first 12 months. And so that's, I guess, how we're going to, we're going to look at measuring success is we're not just going to, you know, do this project and be done. It's really, we're going to start this project and we're going to gather data. We're going to evaluate every six months or so. And we're going to continue even after the project is done and after the 12 months. That sounds really smart because you not only get great data on these things over time, but you also have a vocational aspect that help K-State students actually get some hands-on experience while they're at school. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think that is a bonus, if you will, from this project, right? Where students are getting hands-on experience or working with an existing business or a business that may be a new business. And so we're not only training the students, but we're also getting to work with some of our stakeholders out of the state. And are you considering possibly moving this to other states or helping other people in other states set up similar types of programs? Well, and so that has not been discussed at this point. You know, our focus has been with the state of Kansas. You know, we are the land grant institution in Kansas. And so we want to work with our stakeholders. Of course. That said, I suspect as much interest as we have been getting from folks, not only in our state, but from outside the state through emails and phone calls, I would not be surprised if some of our colleagues at other land grant universities might reach out to us. At which point, we for sure would be willing to work with them and helping them. Then let them know what we learned, what are some pitfalls that we came across. Uh, so hopefully that they can replicate and take it to the next level in their own states. Okay. On that note, what are some of the financial risks involved in setting up direct-to-consumer processing operations versus other new types of meat-related businesses? Well, I'm sure you've, you've seen the movie. You've heard the saying, you know, if you build it, they will come, right? right. Field Dreams, I believe that was, what, 1989? Exactly. So what if you build these plants and they don't come? In other words, what if the customers don't come? You build it, but the customers don't come. What if you think you know what your customer base is, but then it isn't the right target market? Or what if the livestock producers don't bring their livestock? Or you can't get maybe carcasses for further processing. So just thinking about some of the financial risks in setting this up, you've got just your general financial risk, and that is, can your business meet its cash flow, right? You've got these financial obligations. You've got to pay your workers. You've got to pay taxes, et cetera. Is your cash flow such that you can actually meet those obligations? You've talked about your credibility risk. So anytime you start a new business or maybe you have a new product or service in a new market, and so you've got that. You've got to build your brand from the beginning. You need to eliminate any risks of a new product or service that you're trying to make. And so you got to think about that. You've got your competitive risk. And so if you build a new processing plant or a packing slaughter plant, how is the competitive risk? You know, you've got maybe another competitor that's going to build another operation, maybe within the local region. Or is there some kind of indirect competition that might 
have an impact on your business. Securing funding, right? And so it's going to take a, a significant amount of capital, especially if you need to build a brand new plant or retrofit plant. So you've got to have the business funding, the capital lined up, not only for the plant, but you've got to pay your workers for until you get your cash flow build up. And so those will be some financial risks that any business would face if you're trying to set up for a direct consumer processing. So those would be just some of the financial risks that I see just off the top of my head. And as you said earlier, a lot of this is based on the research and knowing all the rules before you jump into it. Absolutely. You have to do your homework before you start any new business, right? You need to know who those customers are. You need to know the legal aspects. You need to have the right permits in place, etc. So there's a lot of homework that goes into these plants, these thoughts of building these plants. So I don't want anybody to, to think, oh, I'll just you know, wake up one day and I'm going to go start a new business. So there's a lot of homework that goes into any new business. Absolutely. So as an economist, what effect do you think these types of smaller meat companies could have on the more general meat industry over the next five years or so? Oh, that's another good question. I think it's kind of hard to say. I say that because it depends on how many smaller meat operations we're talking about, right? How many of these are going to open up? How much additional slaughter or processing capacity are we talking about that's going to come online? Because it is very expensive to build a new slaughter, new processing plant. And so that itself is going to be a constraint just because the capital required to build a plant. Another constraint that we need to think about is carcass utilization. And so, you know, you can only grind so much hamburger to the local market, you know, and then also what are you going to do with the hides or the offal, et cetera. So you think about your larger meat processing slaughter plants, right? They have access to international export markets. And so here in the United States, you know, our consumers, we don't consume a lot of tons, right? We don't consume a lot of liver. Right. And so the larger packing plants, you know, they have enough volume, they can export that product to the markets that demand it. And so if you're a smaller meat packing plant, how are you going to utilize that entire carcass? Because if you're not, you're wasting a lot. And that's a lot of potential revenue that's going to go down the drain or in the trash, I guess you could say. And so coming back to your question, how is this going to impact the general industry. It's a little hard to say because there are so many constraints, huge constraints, both financial, carcass utilization, etc. I struggle to see how we're going to have a whole bunch of these smaller meat processing operations that are going to come online, that are going to disrupt our supply and demand, our pricing of our meat products. And so it's hard to say, but I, I don't see it having a huge disruption only because of the constraints to get into the business, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And thank you. Do you have any thoughts about where the general meat processing industry in the U.S. is heading in the post-pandemic era in terms of addressing the needs of new domestic markets or addressing the change in consumer needs and inflation, of course, as the demand for protein builds? Well, that's another, another good question. And if I had my crystal ball... I for sure would tell you, but I guess just thinking about meat processing in this post-pandemic era, if there's going to be enough of need or a demand for a product or a service, then I think somebody's going to address it, whether it's your current operations that are maybe small or medium or even your large processing plants. 
However, if nobody's currently offering a product or a service that their consumers are wanting, then I think we will see maybe some new businesses, some of these maybe smaller businesses pop up that we've been talking about that are going to fill that niche market or that niche need. But that would be my response to your question of where do I think we're headed? It's going to be a little tough because you've got so many things that are going on right now with, as you noted, inflation as an example, cattle inventories, processing capacities, et cetera. But I think if somebody's not addressing it right now, the needs or the wants of these consumers, I think this is where we'll see these opportunities for these new processing plants that will come in and try to fill that niche need or that niche market. Terrific. Thanks so much, Dustin, for sharing your expert insights with our Meeting Pod listeners. And listeners, you can keep up with the activities at K-State's Department of Agricultural Economics by visiting ageconomics, one word, dot kstate.edu. And I also invite you to visit meetingplace.com and access our archives of articles reflecting Industry 4.0 trends and programs. Thanks again, Dustin. Thank you, Chris. And thank you all for listening, and be sure to follow Meeting Place and Alt Meet Magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meet Magazines on social media and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeet.net.